0: Hi, Future Nick here. Just a quick announcement. You might notice some differences in the mic quality this week. Hopefully it won't affect your enjoyment too much. Uh, to make up for it since I'm from the future, here are the of numbers for this weekend. 4, 17, 36, 20, 48... <coughs> Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, dickers be home and Spree. I'm Nick at 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. How are you this week, Simon?
1: Yeah, doing alright. I'm tired. I'm achy. It took me a while to get down the stairs this morning. Like, obviously, I'm older than I was last week. <laughs> but yeah, we moved house uh, this weekend. With it being Corona, you can't call in the normal battalion of friends to form like a human daisy chain of boxes. Quite. So it was a pretty pared down crew. And yeah, so it's been a bit of a rough 48 hours. But yeah, everything's in the house. The cats are settled. And uh, yeah, it's, it's gone well. So now it's like Christmas here. Just loads of stuff to unpack. Remember? Oh yeah, I remember I had that. Uh, don't need that. Why do I move with it? Do you not do that
0: thing where if you haven't used it for six months, you just throw it away? Do I
1: look like Mary Kondo? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does, it bring you,
1: if, does it bring you joy? What brings me joy is very relative, of course. Yeah, we had a discussion this morning about if I had too many shoes or not, and I'm fervent in the position that I don't. And my wife apparently disagrees with me on that. There's a lot of stuff I realised I had in the kitchen that I definitely don't need, but... <laughs> Most of it belongs to my wife and his baking equipment. Uh, And yeah, I'm not allowed to throw that stuff out. I haven't asked. I'm just assuming I'm not allowed. Hell no,
0: I'm in solidarity with your wife, you know.
1: You never know when you're going to need a cake. I found, like, six toothpicks that have, like, paper narwhals on the end. So, like, the the toothpick is his horn? Tusk. (laughs) This is tusk. That's kind of cute, (laughs) but why do I I need these?
0: We're going to move in in (laughs) August, and, like, our policy is there's so much stuff in the basement that we just haven't looked at in a year, so that's just going to go... I think I'd just pick up the boxes and just put them in mm. the bin. I have no arms. Like, I hate that that part of living in a, in a home for long enough where you just fill drawers with shit, and then you open a drawer and you're like, oh, I didn't realise I've got 17 Spetzler makers. And I just think it's, it's that accumulation of, of shit that you have in any home that it's the best bit about moving is that you can get rid of it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we were pretty ruthless with ourselves when we moved to America because we realised that like, to move intercontinentally is really the time to, to to pare down things. And so we did get rid of a lot of stuff then.
0: Well, obviously with the baby as well, you've just got a lot more. There's three people's worth of crap. Even though she's only 13 months almost, she's, uh, she's basically accumulated as much crap in a in a year and a month as we have in, in about two years living in this house. So
1: I think you guys also invested in some very nice, high quality, massive holds furniture and that's not something we all our stuff's from IKEA still. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean it's gonna be
1: a horror story when we'll have to move that stuff, but
0: I think we're probably gonna get in a Probably could get in a company or something to do it because we're. I can't face moving house. It's the worst part of moving is the move, isn't it? So. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is the first time we've done a proper move. Where obviously it was just us, and we kind of tossed up the idea of like just doing what we did, renting a van and a few other bits and pieces mm-hmm. to make it easier. And I think we did the whole move probably less than 200 euros which i'm really happy with that's a really it's a mm-hmm. good price but yeah I, i'm knackered and my body hurts so i don't know how much that's worth <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that was the thing when we when we moved here because we were moving cities we got a company to, to help us and we got quotes and stuff mm-hmm. and what you don't realize is like we got these these moving guys and they were machines they were lovely blokes three guys they came from um, Chemnitz and yeah they weren't paid a lot of money to do the job and had to sleep in the van we like offered them to sleep in the house because we didn't have any bed we had our bed we got here in the evening and they're like we're going to build your bed like, no, nah, we'll sleep on a mattresses. I'm like, No, we won't have that and they did it. And then I was like, Where are you guys sleeping? And they're like, Oh, we're gonna sleep in the van and I was like, That's insane. That was that that was what they wanted to do, that was what they were gonna do. So I just got them a bit pissed by buying them a load of beers first. They don't get paid a lot of money and it's sort of a, it's a double edged sword where you you know you you, you need the help, but also yeah. at the same time you want to choose companies that are ethical. But I think a lot of companies just choose cheap labour from, from the east of Germany and mm-hmm. and you feel a bit bad about that. It feels a little bit like taking the piss but speaking to them they were like this is the jobs that we're we've got and, and that's the only option so it's a bit of a funny one the
1: last moving company we used was was from america mm. to germany and they like three guys turned up and just packed everything for us as well which was something i never had before mm. but they did also steal a few piece, bits and pieces uh some pain meds went missing really uh, things like that yeah 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 Realised that like ten kilometers later is like where are my pain pills? It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> they were really cool, like really cool dudes. I had a nice day with them in the house packing. But then when uh, I opened up the boxes, I like, okay, prescription medication has gone missing. That was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of an unfortunate turn.
0: Ah, uh, everything like they just did everything super fast. I went and got them some baked goods in the morning, and then by I think by lunchtime they were finished. They built uh. all the furniture up and everything. They were tipped off. I can certainly recommend them. It's still that that you got that weird sense that. Some, someone's definitely getting taken advantage of in, the, in this equation and it's, it's not the company and it's not us. Yeah
1: I think it's the dude sleeping in the barrel. Yeah definitely I was pretty sure pretty sure that was
0: the one yeah. <laughs> Moving on to our first topic today you've heard of urban foxes but have you heard of urban wolves? Last month, a video started doing the rounds on social media. Shot during the day, it showed a wolf running through the empty streets of Bremen. How would you feel, Simon, if you came across a wolf in the middle of your street?
1: Well, I imagine I'd be a little bit <laughs> perturbed. And I think there's probably that split second was like, is that a really handsome dog or is that exactly, a wolf? Exactly. Yeah. There are two movies. and I, I need movies to teach me these things. So I need to know, am I going to be like Liam Neeson in The Grey or am I going to be Kevin Costner in Dancing with Wolves? I'd like to think that I'd be Liam Neeson, but I'd probably end up just like putting on a really nice Apache rug and trying to like calm the beast. (laughs) I remember my biggest fear as a child was wolves.
0: Why? Is
1: this Little Riding Hood haunting you?
0: No, I I had a storybook. I had one of those storybooks on tape. I think it was a Disney storybook and it was a picture of a wolf that was the most terrifying thing to five-year-old Nick. For okay. so long, wolves were the most terrifying things—werewolves, like wolves, anything like that. There was a TV show that was that was on Channel Four as a kid called Eerie Indiana.
1: Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah.
0: There was an episode with werewolf and that that gave me nightmares. It was yeah, it was a real thing. But so I've always had a little—not like a phobia or—I don't have a particular fear now. O- only a natural fear that you would have yeah. if you saw a wolf in the street.
1: I, I can relate. I had a, a ladybird book. I think it was The Hound of the Baskervilles and the illustration on the yeah. front was terrifying I think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. so yeah I, I empathise it's not something you expect to see bombing down the street is,
0: is a no. wolf and I think an urban fox is, is a much a much easier thing to deal with than a big timber wolf blaring down towards <laughs> you you might think that the land <laughs> of Grimm's fairy tales has more sense than to fraternise with wolves but it turns out Little Red Riding Hood doesn't seem to have had the same influence it did in other countries although the exact numbers are hard to find there are apparently between 1,300 and 1,800 wolves running around Germany well Mostly Brandenburg, but other states as well. After almost 100 years of exile, the wolves are coming back. Do you welcome the return of the wolf? I think that's an album name, right? That's an album name, Return of the Wolf. If it's not, it's going to be my, my first album.
1: <laughs> a Duran Duran making a comeback. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Do you welcome the return of the wolves? <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I love the notion of exile for the wolf. Uh, you, sir, are banished. It's a very <laughs> nice notion. The idea of wilderness is something that's i think really important and it's something mm-hmm. that i definitely fell in love with when we were living in in the us and we spent a lot of time in obviously the pacific northwest and and british columbia yeah. in particular and that part of canada is special it's incredibly special and for hundreds of years first nation people have been fighting against the british empire the canadian government to protect these wildernesses and, and keep mm-hmm. these kinds of animals like wolves and bears and mountain lions and all these yeah dangerous animals but they all of course deserve their place in the world so i mean if i found out there were a hundred wolves being relocated to my my particular new neighborhood i'd probably be a little bit concerned about it but in principle i'm all for it i think yeah get the wolves back to the uk get the bears whatever if they lived here before I'm totally fine with them living here again. GPS them if we need to give people that particular (laughs) sense of security. But they were here before us, so... Why not?
0: I know there's a lot of stories in the UK mm. about rewilding. And I think this is a big part of what's happening in Germany is they've already reintroduced wild yeah. boar back into enclosures in certain areas of Germany. I think they run wild, actually properly wild in Austria. Because mm-hmm. I think there was a story about, wasn't it like the, the Austrian PM or it was an Austrian politician or someone got chased yeah. by wild boars a few years ago?
1: I recall one, one time years ago, we were driving over the Alps and we saw a car. Uh, that had been it looked like it had been hit by a truck it was completely written off at the front end uh, and we stopped to find out what had happened and it had hit a boar and the amount of damage mm-hmm. that had done to this vehicle obviously the animal unfortunately was killed as well but you realize that these are these are little tanks mm-hmm. of animals and they are hugely dangerous and when a boar piglet when they're being born like the, the mothers especially are extremely territorial and if you happen to cross paths with them there's a good chance you get charged and yeah they can really do a lot of damage definitely one of the most dangerous animals in Germany,
0: uh, yeah, and a full-size boar is an absolute unit, and and they they are very territorial and don't want to mess with one of those. But I think mentally, for a lot of people, there's a difference between introducing wild boars back into the environment and introducing wolves. I think wolves mm. have got a they have a very bad reputation, as the uh, Brothers Grimm will will tell you. You know, they are a, a common part of European folklore about them. The, the evil is usually a wolf, but the idea of reintroducing them, like you said, you know, I think it's a, it's a lot of people have. Well, I say a lot of people are very positive about it. Farmers and shepherds are certainly not pleased to see the surge in wolf numbers. In 2009 there were only 40 farm animals killed by wolves in 2019 there were 2,900 that's some increase The, the cost of farmers both financial and emotional can take its toll.
1: I think farming especially today is, does have a bit of a bad reputation, and people have a sort of a misconnection with it. I mean, farmers as an industry have been taken advantage of in the most disgraceful way. And I mean, suicide rates in that industry, people losing their their family homes after <laughs> multi generations, people having no choice but to mm-hmm. change careers for the good of their families. I mean, yeah. I'm very happy I wasn't Mm -hmm. born into a farming family because I think it is one of the hardest industries to work in and only people that live in the countryside nearby farmers are really understanding and sympathetic. I think, yeah, politicians just assume they'll carry on doing the hard work, but they get gouged on prices. They're forced to do all sorts of things by companies. Obviously what we're talking about here, uh, farmers losing livestock to wolves is very different from let's say the chicken industry in the US. Where the farmers aren't even allowed to give their chickens fresh air or, or things that they yeah. want to because of the the requirements from the manufacturers that provide them with those chickens it's it's a -hmm. a difficult industry and yeah you're absolutely right to mention the emotional toll finding one of your sheep let's say that's been taken out by a wolf has got to be a horrible thing to deal with it must be very traumatic for everyone involved so yeah Mm -hmm. naturally i feel bad for them yeah
0: there was a couple of videos in in the article that i read that had interviews with i think it was a farmer in in Hesse, it might have been Brandenburg, but the interview, mm-hmm. and you could see how upset he got about the loss of his livestock. When, you, when you're a shepherd, especially, there's there's a, there's a big connection between you and and the flock, and and you have. An emotional connection but also it's your it's your livelihood the whole job of a yeah. shepherd is not to lose your sheep isn't it it's kind of the, the MO of a good shepherd is you don't lose them You're meant to, to lose yeah. them in that way especially in a way that you can't control and I think that's I certainly do feel for them in that respect but compensation for animals lost to wolf attacks as well as funding for protective fencing are some measures that have been introduced to support farmers but it does seem that the wolf uh, farmer relations are unlikely to improve anytime soon every three to four years the wolf population doubles, says Brandenburg's agricultural minister, Julia Kluckner. That is quite a Mm. a statistic. Obviously it's increasing and I think a lot of people see that as a positive, but there is a real downside to all of this. With the Greens riding high in the polls before the German national election in the autumn, it does feel that we are entering an era of conservation and the environment taking centre stage in the thoughts of voters. Of course, a lot of Green voters may be considered as lefty bleeding hearts, while the often more conservative farmers take the brunt of the changes. The return of wolves to Germany sounds nice if you live on top floor flat, perhaps a little more disconcerting if you live in an isolated house in the countryside of Brandenburg. Do you think conservationists especially those that live in cities would be so supportive of wolf reintroduction if it was their pets that were the target of the wolves?
1: Naturally they would change their minds and this is definitely the issue we face where a lot of people have become more sort of urban thinking I'm certainly guilty of this, I I grew up in the countryside, I was definitely a land eye to use the, the German phrase for that um, but as I've grown up as I went to uni and so on I, I became more of a, a city person um, and yeah I didn't think too often about the plight uh, of these people so yeah I think if mm. if someone was asked like are you okay with your pet being attacked by a wolf like the clear answer is going to be no <laughs> when I read the
0: article instinctively I thought like yeah like wolves coming back rewilding that's a great idea but you sort of almost straight away okay. forget the realities because you don't have to be confronted by them we're not going to see except if we move to Bremen perhaps we're not going to see wolves knocking around the streets of, of most major cities. Um, so there have been anti-wolf protests from shepherds and farmers around Brandenburg and since 2017 they've been hosting what they call the Nights of Wolf Watches which are evenings and, and, and nights where different communities of farmers and hunters gather to protest the spread of the wolf, drawing attention to themselves with, with what they call warning shots and they, they say that the government is not doing enough to protect livestock against wolf attacks. Mm. The article itself goes on to point out that even though there's common compensation for loss of animals and there's money given to create fencing and so forth actually there's a lot Mm. of other work that has to be done you have to actually actively have people watching at night to make sure that the wolves don't break in because wolves are smart animals right they're not totally stupid and and they'll find ways around protective fencing or they'll find ways of getting what they want i was thinking though is this and with your american connection is there not is there not some relationship perhaps with the this, this increase in wolves and rewilding in, in, in Germany and the, the growth of urban coyotes on the west coast of the US. I mean, is that something that you came across when you were living there?
1: I mean, not, not so much. For me, the, the animal that scared me the most when I was was there was mountain lions. And there were quite a few uh, cases where people were stalked by mountain lions. And the footage of that is, is just terrifying. Um, and yeah. yeah not long before we left there was a couple of mountain bikers one of them was killed by a mountain lion that had pulled off his bike and then the mountain lion chased the other guy and it, i think it was five kilometers he was basically like running from a mountain lion and i mean that's an animal that in a fight you have basically zero chance of escaping And I, I think i don't mm-hmm. know if it's the, the narrative of hollywood but i think against a wolf solo wolf which of course is quite rare if you're going to be attacked by wolves it'll be a pack Mm -hmm. but i think on a psychological level you you fancy your chances a little bit more because it is in your head just a really big nasty labrador whereas a mountain lion Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. something that you have no connection to i mean my cats don't scare me at all but if they were like 50 (laughs) times larger with claws the size of my fist i wouldn't be messing with them whatsoever uh, say, so yeah mountain lions was the thing that scared me whenever we were in the middle of nowhere on like a single trail and i heard a noise in mm. the bushes i always thought holy shit, that's a mountain lion bears of course are an issue mm-hmm. as well but i mean the, the stories you're told is if you're loud bears will leave you alone um, so you walk around with like loud things banging on the back of your bag or saying hey bear hi bear ho bear things like that and they'll leave you alone but i saw yesterday a a woman in i think it was british columbia was attacked and killed by a black bear which is super rare like seeing bear Mm -hmm. feces on a track you've walked on is a really spine chilling moment um coyotes of course are are scary and they do take out pets but i think the amount of times they've attacked a human is Mm -hmm. very very low numbers yeah mountain lions do it a lot more i think
0: yeah oh, i'd imagine so i was surprised when i was in san francisco like when there was signs up everywhere saying beware of urban coyotes and this is what you should do if you see one and there was a number you had to call and and they were tracking them and it was it was all rather surprising to, to, to us that this was even a problem
1: it sounds like slang for like meth dealers or something
0: <laughs> it's an urban coyote <laughs> it's 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 my second uh my second album my difficult second album is urban (laughs) coyotes i I think it's that moment we're sort of in where we have certainly during covid there's been all those stories about uh, nature's being repaired and all these animals are are taking over the streets and it's Mm -hmm. all been a bit hyperbolic but we're having this moment where wild animals are being reintroduced or we're beginning to encroach even further on areas where these animals animals live and it's becoming more and more of an issue and i think yeah no one wants to see and see anyone be hurt by them but going back to that idea of of sort of defending yourself i had in my mind as well like if i'm on land like i've got a chance right so if you like shark attacks for instance (laughs) if you get attacked by a shark i kind of feel like well that's my fault i went into their neighborhood and they took a bite out of me and that's my kind of my Mm -hmm. fault nature is dangerous but like if i'm walking through the woods and i saw a bear or a wolf Part of my brain thinks like, oh right, I've got a chance, even if it's just a away." And you yeah. realise, yeah, you wouldn't stand a chance. But I think wolves are quite, the chances of actually seeing a wolf are really, really small. Even a, like a lone wolf or a pack of wolves is really small. They're not going out of their way, they hang mm. out around humans.
1: There is a great video of a man in Canada where he, like, it's filmed that he's sat down on the ground. I think he might be injured. And a wolf is like pulling on his boots. and it looks like it's about to like start chowing down on him and he's like go away wolf go away oh you're beautiful (laughs) (laughs) it's a really he's right it's it's a stunning animal and I think that hopefully that would kick in uh, whilst you're being attacked, they are like, oh, at least, at least it's gorgeous. Wolves are <laughs> one thing, grizzly bears are another, perhaps.
0: But the idea, certainly when I went to the US and I was on the East Coast, I had this sort of romantic idea about bears. And it's not until you get to the US that you realise the reality of it. So I think it was in Vermont or something like that. And we got into this motel and we were saying, oh, I was like, oh we're going to go for a walk. And the the woman in the hotel was like, go this way, that way. Don't go there, though. You might come across some bears. And I was like, oh, but I want to see a bear. And she's like, no, you don't. And I say, like, why not? And she's like, because you don't. really do not want to see a bear. And I say, oh, right, that's kind of worrying. And then you you come across things like if you stay in woodland areas in the US that have these big containers where you put your rubbish and they have such big Mm. containers... Because they're bear bins, right? Yeah, you ca- you, you got to stop any bears from from going through sort of food and rubbish or being attracted to an area. And go to a Walmart, and you go to the the section where the hunting section, and they have like bear bombs and devices that they've created in order to scare bears and wild animals off. And you realize it isn't it isn't as funny when you you're looking at something going like, oh, I need like a a kind of bear mace, or you've got to have like a bear horn or something like that.
1: Yeah, we did a bear tour in Tofino. <laughs> british columbia we were on on a boat going through all these like little fingerlet islands and a bear appeared out of the woods and walked up to sort of the edge of the water and started like turning over rocks to try and find some food and i mean the rocks at first were like i think i probably could have picked one up and then suddenly he walked over to one that was like the size of me with one flick of the wrist it was three meters further away and then it was just like Mm. click that is one of the strongest things i've ever seen in my life Makes Eddie Hall look like an absolute weakling. The reintroduction of native species sounds great on paper, but even
0: relatively harmless animals such as the beaver have had uh, not the easiest of returns in Germany. And and I think the beaver was reintroduced in the 80s. But this again, when I first came here, there was a lot of you. You you come across a lot of areas like parks where trees had been felled, and there'd be signs saying. Like be careful around the trees the beavers are about and and it isn't just as easy as is all like we'll just bring them back and it'll be fine and i think i think yeah you've got to be you've got to be aware that that reintroducing wild animals has a knock-on effect it's a bit of a political football at the moment with especially with the green party and the ascendancy the green party's obviously for The reintroduction of wild animals and a lot of other parties
1: are against it so
0: this all does beg the question which wild animal would you least like to come across while taking a nice stroll through the woods
1: okay i mean honey badger oh yeah that's a good one that's a recipe for an absolute pant load of shit (laughs) wolverines i mean it's it's pretty much a similar animal i guess i mean anything that doesn't have fear of 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 me would 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 perturb me Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, but I think honey badgers like universally like the toughest animal there is.
0: It's either that or a komodo dragon. Komodo sure dragon, which... that, that's
1: pretty terrifying. But I think in the heat of the moment, I could probably outrun a komodo dragon. They can move quite quickly, you know. They they can be quick, but I don't know about their turning. I think if you zig and zag, climbing trees, I guess is probably an issue for komodo mm-hmm. dragons as well. And mm-hmm. aren't they also only on one island? Yeah yeah thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully. Just avoid that one. If you're either. not knocking about Bavaria really and you come across a
0: Komodo dragon you've done something seriously wrong. <laughs> something really like you've really having a bad day because there's no way that, that that's a normal natural occurrence. It's a very black market
1: animal <laughs> shop. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up to our next story, which is about Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest is known the world over as the most famous event in the German calendar, despite the fact that it's actually a rather regional event that occurs in Bavaria every September. Well, it did. Thursday saw the news that plans were afoot to host this year's Oktoberfest in... Dubai! Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, I I know what you're thinking. Munich, Dubai... Pretty much. Yeah, the same. same place. What better place to host a German Bavarian traditional beer fueled festivity than a country that has severe restrictions on alcohol? Genius. <laughs> I mean we've been here a while as honorary Bavarians how should we feel about this idea? How should we feel about it? I think how any Bavarian should
0: feel about it is, it just seems like the dumbest, most ill-thought-out idea. And I think it was more how it was announced and the language they used when they announced it that was most annoying or angering for people. But I think a lot of people, from reading comments and and stuff on social media, most people just thought it was ridiculous. That's how most Bavarians probably Mm. feel about it, is it seems a little bit ridiculous. What do you think?
1: They are polar opposite cultures in so many different ways that it's kind of hard to know how you can possibly make that work. Are they going to fly over all the sort of Kellners and Kellnerins? To like make it feel authentic, or are we going to have right. like locals, as you would expect, serving? A lot of questions. I mean, yeah, it just feels like the ultimate sort mm. of capitalist move.
0: Considering that most Bavarians would take the piss out of any other state doing an Oktoberfest, even if it was Baden-Württemberg, which is the state next to Bavaria, that was doing an Oktoberfest, the Bavarians would be like, "Nope, you're doing it wrong. This isn't the right way to do
1: it." This does remind me of an episode of Goodbye Deutschland. Um, which is a, a show that documents the the lives of, of Germans that relocate to other mm-hmm. countries around the world. Often it's Mallorca, but there was an episode where an American had come over to Germany, met his German wife, and they had then moved back to Wyoming. And his mm-hmm. business idea was to start his own Oktoberfest. But of course, I guess there were sort mm-hmm. of copyright claims in Wyoming. He couldn't call it Oktoberfest, so he came up with Shocktoberfest. Okay. Which who then marketed at like Halloween and uh, mm-hmm. Oktoberfest it didn't go very well and of course it just plays on the stereotypes that aren't real Ghosh Gauch- mm-hmm. and people just screaming like Prost loudly and it, it doesn't embrace the real culture mm-hmm. of, of Wiesen mm-hmm. that's bullshit But anyway, German Mm -hmm. replacement toilet paper manufacturers Bildzeitung broke the story that Charles Blum, organiser of the Berlin Christmas market, was planning to move Oktoberfest to the warmer human rights abusing climates of the UAE. That's just good business. So why is it that so many arseholes seem to be attracted to Dubai?
0: No, I think the sunny weather seems to be the uh, deciding factor. I have no idea. There was a story... And I think Jan Burman, the comedian, did mm-hmm. a big thing about influencers flying out of Dubai during the lockdown and it seems to be the place like if somebody tells you, Oh, I live in Dubai I've always got a feeling that you're probably a bit of an arsehole then, aren't you? It always seems to be... There's like oil companies and, and stuff like that. And I know I've got plenty of friends who worked out there for various different oil companies. And I think this Charles mm. Bloom gentleman, it's, it's him specifically that that's caused the, the biggest upset. Is It's this guy from Berlin who organises Christmas markets is now telling everyone that Oktoberfest is moving to Dubai. It smacked so much of like PR stunt. It didn't seem to be any other reason to do it other than to, to make money, which is not really what Oktoberfest is about. Mm. Oktoberfest is, is more than just a
1: money-making machine, which it is, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it makes a fortune, no doubt, but it's not uh, necessarily driven by that. And it's
0: a funny thing as well, I think, because we've they, they cancelled Oktoberfest last year for the first time ever. They, they haven't decided to cancel it yet. <laughs> Hi, Feature Nick again. Oktoberfest 2021 was cancelled this week, sadly. Although it's not on, I'm still certain it's a damn sight more enjoyable than what's going on in Dubai. <phone rings> But it looks like it probably won't be on. And if it is, something really good has happened in Germany if, if Oktoberfest is, is happening this year. But it just seemed a little bit like they're just taking advantage of a situation that no one can control and everyone would prefer not to have. But these guy's decided, oh, I'm going to make lots of money. So it does seem like Dubai is the obvious place where an arsehole who wants to make money would <coughs> go.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely fits with that. I mean, obviously, Oktoberfest does draw tens of thousands of, of international tourists who come over for what they think is going to be the, the biggest beer drinking event in their lives. All the people I know mm-hmm. from the UK have come over and done it, have either ended up in hospital or in confrontations with the police. It's not mm-hmm. always going smoothly for these people because if you think, way, sun's out, guns out, lads on tour, like it's just a recipe for absolute disaster. It should be enjoyed responsibly, uh, as all good alcohol should, I guess. Speaking
0: to people in <laughs> Munich, I know they love. Oktoberfest, they also hate Oktoberfest because it is when everyone just goes out and overdoes it and drinks too much mm. and there's a lot of damage done to yeah. the uh, the Festplatz area and, and around the city, it's just you've got a lot of drunken people it's not just tourists either, it's it's residents in Munich or people outside mm-hmm. of Munich. Because obviously it's a big draw for,
1: for Germans too. So I think there's, there's a, it's a mixed bag. Back to what the builders have said. So they claimed that uh, there would be all the usual trappings of a good Oktoberfest. Um, they'd have the Bavaria statue, the Rumenthaler, the large Ferris wheel, a place where they stone people to death. Uh, and who can forget the state-sponsored torture... Ch- Wait, that doesn't sound <laughs> right. I'm reading the wrong <laughs> press release. Anyway... Bloom apparently claimed that many breweries were on board and fairground vendors were ready to answer the call for the Dubai Oktoberfest. Also, in other amazing news, there is the addition of two very important special guests. Can you guess who they are?
0: Uh, I'm gonna have to Google German assholes.
1: Uh, give me a second. <laughs> you don't do that. Don't do that. Do smelling. Like- I guess like Beckenbauer or something like
0: that. I can imagine like <laughs> one of those dignitaries of German football turning
1: up, Boris Becker. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a contender for one of the greatest footballers of all time from uh, from this proud nation. Also, oh, there is a fo- there, there is, is a, a footballer, football, okay.
0: Yeah. So, there's a f- and I would have thought like a
1: Boris Becker or. So D- David Hasselhoff, something like that would be... I mean, Hasselhoff, of course, is the dream, but uh, he it's not him. Yeah, I give up. Who's, who are they inviting? Uh, so the footballer is Loda Mateus. Oh, of course. <laughs> the good old Loda. And, of course, you want a lady. And what lady better represents Bavaria... <laughs> God, I have no idea. The, the, ...all the positive sentiments of Dubai than the star of Baywatch. What? <laughs> Pamela Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Pamela Anderson, good choice. I can look with Mateus. I
0: can at least understand he's the most Bavarian. Bavarian, right? But Pamela Anderson.
1: You know they're gonna just like force yeah. her to wear a dundle and she's gonna have to take some photos with like massive beer, and deserves better.
0: I don't. I don't. This sounds sort of overly negative, but it just seems like they've gone through the Rolodex and they were the only two that answered the phone call, right?
1: Well, this is the thing, it makes me like due to ball a little bit more, because he must have said no, they must have asked him first.
0: Of course, of course they
1: did. (laughs) Boris Beck has turned it down as well, he definitely got asked, so yeah. And that guy guy really needs a payday, you know, he's famously (laughs) insolvent, so yeah, bizarre
0: bizarre selection of guests. Just to beg the question, who's going who's gonna to turn up, right? I mean, who's going to yeah. go to this thing?
1: I, I think you, you've you hit the nail already. Instagram influencers, they're the ones that are going to go there, get dressed up, take a few pictures, say, oh my God, Dubai's amazing. I mean, I've no doubt that the customer service and the care you get from, from the hotels and the companies that will be involved in this will be top draw, but it's not a replacement. It's, it's just it's another event they're just like bastardising.
0: Would you want to wear leather shorts in the desert? Does that even sound like a sensible thing to be doing? <laughs> this is one of the more interesting bits from the story. The question about what you're going to do with people who are obviously drunk and what they were going to do is basically... You wouldn't be allowed to be out on the streets... You would get a shuttle bus from your hotel that would take you to the fest area you could drink as much as you want and they would pile you back into a bus and take you back to the hotel and i'm like yeah surely nothing's going to go wrong there there's going to be no problems there there's going to be no international incidents in this situation. I mean,
1: I wonder how much they charge you for breaking a TV in a five-star Dubai hotel. I imagine it's quite a large bill.
0: Yeah, do you even want to commit a crime? Like, just don't do anything? Just go, have one beer, go back to the hotel, wait for your flight out with it.
1: So, I mean, yeah, we're not alone in thinking this is really stupid. There is definitely a hitch uh, with all this planning for Dubai, and that's mainly the fact that the city of Munich put out a statement distancing itself from the event. Quote, Oktoberfest is a Munich original and takes place exclusively in Munich. That's a direct quote from the city's statement. And this is the point. Oktoberfest is a Mm -hmm. Munich event. We live two hours away, and we don't have Oktoberfest. We have other festivities that happen around that time that are sort of pretty close, but it's not Oktoberfest. So, yeah, the the organiser of the Munich Oktoberfest, Clemens Baumgartner, added that the idea was absolutely absurd, uh, quote... And that quote, we will explore all our legal options to protect Munich's Oktoberfest. Uh, So that doesn't sound very supportive. Do you think that Munich should take legal action?
0: It's a a tough one because I know I think there is. There's Mm Oktoberfests all around the world. There's one in China that was, but in fact, I think they call it the they call it something different. They don't call it Oktoberfest, but it's got sort of Oktoberfest related connections. and, and, And there's obviously a connection between China and Germany through. Through colonization in the in the early twentieth century, and this Qingdao beer, for instance, is, is still brewed to the Reinheitsgebot. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's connections there, but they're like quite sensitive about making it. It's about about their culture as well. There's Oktoberfest events in America. I know. Uh, I think Pennsylvania has a few. I know that Texas
1: has some as well. But, I mean, Pennsylvania nearly had German as their official mm-hmm. language. It was yeah. I mean, it is where the majority of Germans ended up. So this isn't some like bastardization mm. of the culture this was people moving mm. over and taking their culture with them so it's definitely a difference there. it'll
0: be very different from the Munich Oktoberfest but it's kind mm. of
1: like that thing of champagne's only
0: champagne if it's made in the champagne region you know Wensleydale cheese is only Wensleydale cheese if it's made in Wensleydale you know the, the problem mm. I had with the statement Charles Bloom made was that he was saying that Oktoberfest is moving like it, like he was had ownership over it like it was a thing that and I think that's what gets the hackles of Bavarians up is someone from mm. especially from Berlin. There's obviously a rivalry between Munich and Berlin. It's these sort of important major cities in Germany, and I think from to say that yeah. it just it was all about grabbing headlines and less about what Bavarians really care about which is like a lot to do with tradition and the, the way things are done and doing things the way they've always been done which is something that people complain a lot about Bavarians being a little bit too much mm. sticklers for the past but th- in this instance there's a reason it's, it's a very traditional festival Yeah
1: you kind of feel that if you'd said Oktoberfest goes on or Oktoberfest is still available that's, that's very different from saying it's moving threatening to take something yeah. away uh, it's definitely a, a a more sinister threat. I mean, as for the vendors, of course, Corona has been an absolute disaster for these business owners. The vendors promised by Herr Bloom, the business associations and groups in charge of providing beer food and entertainment uh, for the Oktoberfest in Munich said they knew nothing about the festival in Dubai. (laughs) That's not a good sign. No, it's pretty bad communication there. So Peter Bausch, uh, the head of the Munich Theatrical Association added, I don't know anyone who's going there. Uh, So is this all just the PR stamp for some knockoff Oktoberfest?
0: Yeah, definitely 100%. It totally is. (laughs) And one of the questions I wrote down was, does Munich have anything to worry about really? And I'm like, well no, I I think it's it's no bad thing. Soft power is a very important part of, of any mm. country's foreign relations. It's not just about being militarily powerful or politically powerful. It's about being culturally powerful too. And I think there's benefits to, to the soft power that Oktoberfest Oct- creates. I don't necessarily have a problem with Dubai having an Oktoberfest. I don't think most Bavarians really care but it's the announcement and the way it was announced that people really seem to be annoyed about. That it is just in a moment where everyone's feeling a little bit vulnerable, this guy rocks up with this, oh, I'm going to make some money here. And if, if he wants mm. to do it, he could have done it in various different ways. He didn't have to make such a big song and dance out of it. But he got what he wanted, because we're talking about it, I suppose.
1: Indeed. But also, in my experience, a lot of Germans hate this Bavarian sort of representation of, like, Brits Mm. or Beer and Lederhosen. It's a far cry from a a real representation of what Germany as a nation is. And, yeah, obviously, when we went to America, like, that's what, especially Americans, connect to Germany. And Mm. if you're from Cologne or Berlin, like, that's... It's literally hundreds of kilometers away, but it's, it's a different country in that respect. And of course, Freistaat Bayern thinks of itself that way as well. So I think a lot of Germans are like, don't care whatsoever. Bavarians might not mind it being bastardized, but I think most Germans are like, yeah, we don't, we care a lot less than that. So do we even care? Oktoberfest is overrated. Uh, a lot of the time aren't the best festivals in other parts of the country
0: yeah i guess they are Oktoberfest is celebrated as the, is the pinnacle of the fest site and the fest season right and it's it is massive it's the biggest one right but for my money it's it's not the best one there's there's two or three that i would i would put ahead of it erlangenberg kirkwein is for me the most important festival or fest in germany as far as the only thing that i would actively want to go to if, if mm-hmm. we said, oh, we're going to go to a fest this year, which one should we go to? And Erlangenberg-Kirkfei sits on a berg on a hill, and it's not quite a mountain, but on a little hill, and all the breweries have cellars built into the hill, and you sort of it's beautiful, and, and on a uh, mid-May sunny weekend, sitting under mm-hmm. the trees drinking fest beer, which is like 7 or 8%, it's one of the most enjoyable events of the season. <laughs> you still have the same problems Oktoberfest has, but I think most people who go to Erlangenberg-Kirkfei or Nuremberg Volksfest or the Plera in Augsburg don't really care so much about Oktoberfest mm. as they care about their local festivals.
1: This is absolutely true. The local festivals you feel more connected to because they're, they're smaller uh, and that does make a difference because Oktoberfest, if you don't have a table reserved <laughs> through corporate deal or whatever, mm. it can be very challenging just to get a space full stop and then you're paying what is top dollar for, for beer in Germany for what is not Mm. necessarily always a full measure and there are, there are ways that you can kind of feel a bit ripped off, a bit taken advantage of so yeah, I mean, I, I love mm-hmm. and in Nuremberg mm-hmm. that's my favourite because it's something that has always gone well, we've always managed to make it into mm-hmm. a really good day for our little community, but yeah, Elang and is really a wonderful one.
0: One of the things I missed about not having Oktoberfest last year is something that happens every year, shocked articles about how the beers got more expensive, like everyone's shocked that inflation exists and it's all usually about 50 cents more expensive, oh my god a mass beer is 12 Euros now. Back in 1990, it was only six euros.
1: <laughs> and you're like, what are you talking about? And it's never about like the Zenf or, no. or, or the Pretzel, Like, those things, the price is totally fine. But yeah, it is the scale that I think a lot of Germans measure the year by. Like, what percentage increases they're on a mask. <laughs>
0: Moving on. Somehow, inexplicably, we've arrived at May. As the dust settles around Germany following a variety of May Day protests and marches throughout the country, there is another signal that May has arrived. Maypoles begin popping up all around the country. Or at least they did until the corona crisis. In villages, towns, and cities in Germany, May is welcomed by various groups putting up traditional Maybaum or maypoles. Some reaching as high as 26 metres in height. The Maybaum is a common sight in the centre of villages, outside churches, or on certain fest grounds. Have you seen any maples yet Simon? Not
1: yet, no I haven't actually off the top of my head. They might just blend in with all the other really tall trees I don't know, I I haven't haven't consciously noticed one this time around. I saw one the other day I was quite happy to see it. I mean there aren't so many maples going up this
0: year as contact restrictions and social distancing prevent large groups and the various clubs coming together to put them up. It is a pretty heavy duty thing to put up a 26 metre high pole with a tree on the top (laughs) so it does take a team of people to do it One of the more famous variants uh, uh, the maypole in munich at the Victualienmarkt is still to go up but in other areas the tradition is being kept alive by private companies in the fire brigade who are able to get around lockdown rules yeah so that i mean the fire brigades are usually the people you call upon in most villages to do these massive mm-hmm. big activities they're usually involved in some some respect the big community organizations so um, are the maypoles a sign of things beginning to go back to normal or at least seeing a maypole is that a sign that things are maybe going back to normal a little bit
1: i mean it feels like the tide is slowly turning here. Last week, Germany setting new records for vaccinations. I'm now on the waiting list at my doctors instead of on the Bavarian one. And yeah, I'm optimistic. I mean, I said at the start, if I got one by the end Mm -hmm. of May, I'd be okay with that. And that feels like it might be realistic. It might happen this month that a few of us pick up vaccines. I'm in a risk group. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Nick is a bastion of health, apart from his dodgy back. He will be one of the last ones. But yeah, I I feel like it's coming. So I think there is more optimism in the streets. But I mean, you mentioned the the protests. Uh, we were moving of course this weekend and we were scuppered by a couple Mm -hmm. of protests and yeah it's tricky Mm -hmm. like you don't know is it is it left is it right is it Querdenka? like there's a lot going on and we had a motorcycle protest which flags do they
0: have that's the question
1: yeah but it's not always i mean there was one time i was like okay they're definitely from the left a lot of dreadlocks Mm -hmm. it's it's not always that easy to to tell from the distance in a moving vehicle
0: when you see a lot of people with blue hair you've got to
1: assume that that's definitely some kind of antifa movement but what about like flame red hair? Does that make you think IFT? I don't know.
0: No, that still makes me think that that's the that's the anarchists. <laughs> I drive a lot, or at least if I, if I come to visit you, for instance, I have to drive through a lot of Bavarian countryside, and it is it's very obvious where where the maypoles aren't do you sort of see them this time of year getting set up or you'd see signs saying the sort of event is going to happen this weekend and so i think yeah for a lot of people seeing those go up is is some kind of signal and i think that a lot of places are setting them up but they can't have the the festivals mm-hmm. so sadly the celebrations of festivals that usually surround the putting up of the maypoles are still cancelled this year but there is something really positive about seeing them go up the building of the maypole is a community activity given that getting one in the ground is a task for many many people. From the smallest village to the largest cities maybaums are erected on the evening of April 30th or in the morning of May 1st. As ever each region has a different way of doing things some use the same maypole topped by a different tree every year so they'll have a maypole that's maybe 50 plus years old Mm. others annually find the largest tree in the local area, cut it down carve it with elaborate symbols and then stick it up in the middle of the town. The job of decorating and finally putting it in place is a community activity with multiple generations in a village taking part some regions have processions through the town village or city and others may follow the event with a tanzin de Mai, a dance the may have you ever seen one of these put up
1: no not in person no.
0: like that's watching it is something it's something impressive it is a real team effort and mm-hmm. you've got people who uh it's like i said generational you know you've got fathers sons daughters mothers cousins grandparents all, all sort of the grandparents generally are sitting with a with a beer, watching the younger people do it. It's a community event, and I think it's something that people will definitely miss at the moment. But yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a real thing. Mm. To see it, see them erected because they they dominate the skyline. And certainly, if you drive around, a lot of Bavaria is quite flat, you know, and you can see them sort of from a mm. distance. You could see a tree on a pole, you know, and usually the tree's sort of weather beaten because it's so high up. <laughs> it's been mm-hmm. taken out. It's like this this conifer tree that's been lost all its needles and it's just sort of waving. In the, in the wind. <laughs> the Maybaum festivities are cancelled and so are some of the more curious customs that go along with it, such as the theft of the Maybaum. Villagers across the south of Germany not only plan to put up their own Maypoles, but often they also spend a hell of a lot of time attempting to steal the Maybaums of nearby villages. To steal a rival village's Maybaum, which is called Maybaumklau, can mean bragging rights all year round, while losing your Maybaum can mean 12 months of shame. In some areas, the night before the Maybaum goes into place becomes a chance to win some local pride at the expense of their neighbouring villages. Having selected the right tree, decorated it in preparation for the festivities, the village then begins the gruelling task of an all-night vigil to prevent their prize conifer from being stolen by marauding bands of rivals from other villages. Should a village fail to protect their tree, they are faced with completing a challenge set by their opponents, often involving some element of public embarrassment. Antenna Bay in one of the radio stations in Bavaria did this a few years ago where they managed to steal someone's maybarm and then forced them to have a Christmas market complete with snow as uh, punishment. <laughs> so, Sam <laughs> Simon, you're you're quite a smart guy. You're you're an ingenious fellow. How would you steal a may It's
1: just making me think of like college rivalry. So I think I'd put on a varsity jacket first, and then I'd probably buy a uh, some some firemen, I think they're probably, they're probably the right people to <laughs> That's help a good me start. with this but, I mean yeah, bit by bit, <laughs> bit <laughs> I like the idea you'd
0: sneak into the share off a piece every day until you come back and you're like I've got all the pieces together, I was thinking something more like Mission Impossible, coming down on, a, on some kind of rope, but I guess, I guess it's hard to carry one away, you need a team of people, there's a lot of planning involved I'm sure, and mm. then you need something to transport it on, how do you transport a 26 metre pole, like <laughs> it's not it's not so easy. You need like an articulated truck, right?
1: You need twenty-six people, I guess. I mean, it's definitely a challenging prospect. This is just incredible that it doesn't result in like mass imprisonments and like murder. You, you've got like May festivities, people with guns in the hunting and farming community, <laughs> lots of beer, village rivalries. It's it's incredible. It shows the the placid nature of uh, of Germans. I think
0: I like the idea. There's something sort of hilarious about the the process of, of stealing it. I just it makes it makes it sound so much more entertaining. Mm. That Not only are you putting one up, but you've got a team of people, you've got a special department of people, the the sort of SAS of the village who are sent out to go and steal the neighbours and Maybaum. So putting up trees is one thing, but there's also some other tree-related shenanigans to think about. Trees also figure into another German tradition, one of which has a more unifying intention than the Maybaumklau. On the night of April 30th, young German men can be seen under the cover of darkness, leaving small decorated Maybaums outside the homes of young ladies. These trees signify, if not full-on love than at least a passing fancy in the recipient. Flowers might be the more traditional method of expressing a person's feelings but at a pinch a nicely decorated tree will fill that gap. However, be wary of trees decorated in white. Those are not delivered with romantic intentions, but as a warning that the occupant of the home is either unwanted or worse, an enemy. The world may still be adjusting to the concept of online bullying, but in Germany, people have to get to grips with coded tree messages. Have you ever given someone a tree, Simon? Is that something that you've
1: done? I, I actually have. I gave I gave my mum a tree. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave her when when her and her husband got married. Uh, yeah, we got them a tree planting in their garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's been relocated oh, once nice. since. But yeah, it's still going.
0: I like the idea of, of tree gifts, although colour coding your trees, that just seems it just seems very, very complicated. So all this Maybaum excitement is slightly different from the UK. We don't really have Maybaums, we don't have Maypoles so much. The idea of people dancing around a Maypole, although you might tell me differently having lived in a village.
1: Maybal's are definitely better than Morris dancing, right? See, obviously Morris dancing gets a, a lot of bad rep. Uh, and for anyone that doesn't know what it is it's definitely worth a, a 20 second view of a video don't watch more than that but in my village we had Morris dances yeah. uh, in May, and I quite enjoyed watching it right? these are people that are very earnest about the activity taking it very seriously and they would do it outside our pub in the village we'd stand there uh, as a village as a community different ages together with a pint in hand mm-hmm. watching these people wave keys bang sticks and shake their shins with bells and of course it's stupid of course it's shit but it's also quite charming uh, and mm. quite quite nice it's not something I would ever do myself. In the northeast, we have sword dances. It's a little bit more exciting. You got to up it, haven't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's the northeast one. where well, we're not punting Soft around with hankies. with their
1: bells and sticks? Yeah, here's the sort. <laughs> well, I mean, the say
0: sword. It's like two. Let's get like a handle at one end and then a, a thin metal strip, and then there's a, a handle at the other. And they sort of do an interlock and dance with all these, these swords. And it's it's similar sort of idea. It's a celebration. They'll go around the pubs and do it, and it is something to see. But yeah, it's a little bit different from a mm-hmm. team of, of villagers putting up a maypole
1: I mean it it speaks to how many engineering degrees there are in Germany (laughs) (laughs) speaking of trees what's the strangest thing you've ever found in a tree I saw a woodpecker the other day but I guess that's not really that strange is it you kind of expect if you're going to find a woodpecker you're going to find it in a tree uncommon as opposed to strange yeah It'd be strange yeah. if you found it underwater.
0: Can't think <laughs> that I found anything. I was I was a big lad as a kid, so I didn't do a lot of tree climbing. So I kind of avoided it. I, I stayed very much on the ground. As an advisor, and now, what about you? Have you ever found anything weird in a tree?
1: I I used to live in in the woods, and so you would find like weird discarded elements. Pornographic magazines was a pretty standard thing to find in the woods, but you would never find them in a tree, right? You wouldn't. You would like once I might have found it in a tree. It might have been like found and then sort of presented in the tree. I don't think the person discarded it in the tree but i think it became like ornamental
0: it is a thing that doesn't happen nowadays like, since the advent of the internet but like yeah as a, as a kid growing up we had a woods near, near the housing estate i grew up that's where you would find it like people would just leave pornographic mm. magazines lying in the woods for kids to find very weird what a weird social element that doesn't exist <laughs> anymore <laughs> Yeah. So why
1: are you asking about things stuck in trees and porno mats? Well I mean usually you can expect to find in a tree some birds and maybe a fun loving squirrel but here in Bavaria it turns out the flora and fauna are being joined by more bizarre man made inhabitants It turns out down south if you look carefully enough, you might just find a sex toy hanging in the branches above your head. That's right! Last week, a jogger discovered that birds and squirrels were joining in their tree by a warbling double-endo. <laughs> 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 actually, the discovery of the sex toy sparked some serious reactions, given the toy in question was actually shaped like a grenade. I'm already thinking, like, where does the grenade go, but that's for below-the-line comments, I think, on, uh, on Twitter. This is one of those weird situations where I have so many questions, but I don't really want to know the answer.
0: When I saw the picture of it, I was like, how? No. I I didn't even Google it, just didn't bother. I was like, I don't need to Google this or find out any more information than the image that was in the BBC article. That was enough for me. I've
1: been been good to Nick recently. I've avoided sex topics for a while, but when this came up, I was like, okay, we are talking about this no matter what. So, of course, because the people that found this initially thought it is a grenade because it, it looks like a grenade... Uh, So the police were called, arrived at the scene expecting to defuse a bomb and instead discovered a bag containing a grenade-shaped sex toy, an empty tube of lube, two unused condoms in a tin and a USB cable. That's a weird yeah. combo of things. I mean, the sex toy in the lube, that makes a lot of sense. I
0: assumed that the USB cable was to charge the grenade shaped sex toy. That was my assumption. But it might not be. It might just be totally
1: separate. Sex toys have come a long way, haven't they? <laughs> they Useless be on like, batteries. But now.
0: No, it's USB cable. Shit, controlled. I haven't got my power bank.
1: <laughs> I can't use these condoms now.
0: It brings a whole <laughs> new understanding of the word dongle, right? <laughs>
1: is good. Uh, so, are trees the best place to hide this stuff? Um, I'm I'm no expert,
0: right? Because I'm, I'm, I I'm, was okay when you started talking about this topic, and now I've, I've suddenly got the knot in my stomach that I always get when we talk about sex topics. No, it's not the
1: place that you should hide this stuff. I mean, my instinct is immediately, like, go like a squirrel, bury it underground.
0: Yeah, yeah, bury it underground makes a hell of a lot more sense, you know, than, like,
1: sticking it in a tree in a plastic bag. I, I really hope that the person who did this has seen this article and like that's my (laughs) dildo grenade (laughs) the flash of terror I'm mortified.
0: Oh. Imagine have to do the DNA check on that. That's where my charging cable is. <laughs> I knew I left those condoms somewhere. My phone's been dead for days. <laughs> no, it's a- But it's so like it's so exposed that it kind of makes me think they wanted to be caught. They wanted this to be found. They- yeah, that's it. The, the thrill.
1: Yeah, the thrill of like they found they found my grenade. Well, maybe they're just like really a benevolent person. Like it doesn't quite fit me. Maybe someone else will find yeah. a use for it. Maybe they got the wrong
0: end of the stick because it's quite common in, in Germany, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pun intended, right? Um, the, maybe they got the, the wrong idea. Because in, in, in Germany, it's quite common over Easter to hang like, Easter eggs off of trees. So maybe like they would just say, like, oh, I don't have any Easter eggs, but I do have this grenade dildo and some lube. <laughs> like, In the tree you go! <laughs> yeah,
1: again, it's just, every time you look at this list, the empty tube of lubricant and the unused condoms. Like Something's happened. somebody has been caught. <laughs> Lots of questions, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is a, a case for a, some sort of hard-boiled detective of some description.
1: Well, I mean, a case is the right word. I mean, the police were, as expected, pretty confused at the discovery so much I had to do some research online I mean imagine putting that into Google officials added that an online search confirmed their suspicions <laughs> that quote there really are sex toys modelled on hand grenades <laughs> <laughs> you have to have given that job to the intern right there wasn't,
0: wasn't the chief inspector doing that
1: <laughs> well I like to think there's some like veteran police about to retire he's like I've seen this before it's, it's, it goes in your bum <laughs> <laughs> I was one day away from retirement
0: and now my eyes are soiled
1: And now the poor police precincts of this Bavarian region just constantly get me adverts for, for different weaponized tildos.
0: It makes you wonder, like, if you can get grenade ones, what other ones can you get? It's just mind-boggling. Like, even when I looked at it, I was like, it doesn't even
1: look like, It looks more like a fake grenade than it looks like a sex toy. Like, it just... That, that's sort of one end of the spectrum, isn't it? You have people that buy things like... I mean, the, the Rampant mm-hmm. Rabbit was, like, the number one best-selling uh, sex toy in the UK for years. And you couldn't say, oh, that's not a sex toy. But I imagine for a lot of people, the appeal is you can be like, no, 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 it's a grenade. Don't touch it. (laughs) It might go off. (laughs) Go off in your hands. I I don't own any sex toys, but I think if I I were to buy some, I'd probably be more in the lane of buying ones that could be uh, described away as not being what people... Think they might be. Like,
0: should you want something that looks like like a, a household object and not a, a weapon, you want something that looks like a rolling pin.
1: <laughs> Optimist. Or just
0: get a rolling pin. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's an option too, I suppose. I
1: mean, I'm sure that's what, what what people did for millennia. I mean, there are some <laughs> sort of some interesting relics in sex museums around the world have, uh, yeah ivory dildos and the like. Yeah.
0: One of the enjoyable parts, uh, and that's enjoyable in in inverted commas, is. I fell down a Wikipedia hole just researching weird things you might find in trees. Anyway, and, and, and it got me onto German inventions, and it turned out that Germany had the world's first sex shop. I didn't know that. Okay. Maybe this is a homage to Germany's tradition as of being the sex shop progenitors. Is that the, the word? Uh, the The first sex shop was opened, I think, in the ni- early 1960s. That late, I would have guessed much earlier than that. I don't know, I think they were, they were too busy, you know, boosting the economic miracle and all of that stuff before they were <laughs> thinking about sex shops. All I can think now is when I walk through the woods, I'm going to be looking up in the trees a little bit more carefully than I
1: was beforehand, just in case, you know, just in case the dildo fairy has left something. I'm just worried that every time I read about a massive unexploded world war ii bomb i'm just going to be like hur, hur, massive dildo <laughs> <laughs> there's all these bomb disposal experts
0: going is it a bomb or is it uh and summer's special uh, who knows moin <laughs> <laughs> moin moi. that brings us to the end of the show before we once again disappear out of your ear holes i want to thank our ever supportive listeners snooker tenured Karen, Maurizio, Nick and Steve for spreading the word a special shout out to RL who has joined the Erdniss Flips bandwagon Simon might hate them but we don't care, if you want to help us out with a retweet or just want to share the show don't forget to tag us with hashtag decades from home or lowercase so we can find you and give you a shout out on next week's show, as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet Simon on at decades from home. you can tweet me at 40% German, you can also get us on 40 40 at gmail.com if you have time this weekend take a look at 40percentgerman.com weekly articles are up every saturday all that's left to say is thanks and bisum some next mile Cheers. fresh from their debut success with return of the wolf we bring you urban coyote the hottest album from your favorites decades from home Enjoy such hits as I Love You Like Lunchtime Kebabs and Was für ein and You Can Say You To Me, an album that Enemy called Adequate and Rolling Stone described as existing. Urban Coyote is not available in the shops to order. Simply so call the number on screen, even if you don't want to. Call the number on screen. I'm very lonely and I wish I could talk to someone. Simon and Nick won't let me leave unless someone buys one of these. Please! This job is impossible! This music is so bad! Act now and get a free signed copy! We have so many! We can't even sell them as ashtrays! I'm begging you!
1: Order yours today!